Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good morning. Beautiful morning in the Lord. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and it's a pleasure for me to sit before you today and talk about the Scripture. And We're going to read the Word of God, and we're going to get rolling and hear what the Lord has to say. But if you join me in a word of prayer, please, we'll pray for the message now, and and for everybody that will be listening, Lord, we just uh, lift up this service before you, Lord, again. Lord, I know we prayed before, but now we, we pray now, Lord God, for anybody that's listening that wants to pray along too, Lord. I just pray, Lord God, that you'd bless the service, bless the message, give me the words, teach me what I ought to say. I pray you, your Holy Spirit, Lord, because your word says that I don't really do the teaching, but the Holy Spirit really does the teaching, Lord. So I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts and speak to the minds of the people that are listening. In this room and afar, the message that you want them to understand and hear from what I say today. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless us all, bless this place. I pray, Lord God, you again, keep Satan out and keep your Holy Spirit in, Lord God. Keep the vision out. And Jesus, please keep, use, please keep running us, Lord. Please keep directing us and leading us and guiding us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And just ask for your blessing to be on us, upon the service, and upon this time, Lord. And I ask this all, God in heaven, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29 today. Now, today's service is the very last message on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the close, you say, to the Sermon on the Mount. This great, huge sermon that Jesus taught in Matthew. It spans from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, to chapter 7, all the way to verse 29. So it's chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Three full chapters. And again, you know, I said this before, but I'll say it again, that this, sir, this message probably only took Jesus maybe 30 minutes. And we're probably two and a half months or three months into doing all the different teachings and all the different things that Jesus had to say to us here. And that just goes to show us how deep and how rich and how powerful the Word of God is. Amen. So our message today, Matthew 7, verse 24 through 29, let's read it. Uh, the name of the message today is Jesus is the Rock. So the name of the message today is Jesus is the Rock. Verse 24, let's read. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. And he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So, 
Last week, we talked in our service, well, Jesus, you know, I never knew you. He, he, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that do the will of the Father, I shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And we, we talked about how that's really depressing. It was really, man, it wasn't a very uplifting as far as, you know, hearing, you know, who, who really is the Lord, Lord, who, who are going to be calling Jesus Lord, Lord, and only but those but people that profess to be his are going to do that. And Jesus said that not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And we, you know, by the narrow way and by the narrow gate, why does the gate brought us away? Because so, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. So we haven't really been in real encouraging scriptures up till now until we get here. And this 24 through 29 is very encouraging to me. It's very encouraging for all of us. And we'll, we'll get to this a little later, but... It really shows God's heart in what his will is for mankind. And it's really positive. It's really awesome. It's, it's really amazing whose responsibility even Jesus said it was to respond. So, but before we get there, let's go to verse 24 and look. We see the word, first thing we see, verse 24. What, what is the first word of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24? It's, therefore. It's that word, therefore, again, that conjunctive word. That means it bridges one idea with another idea. Therefore, and he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. So, what does he mean, therefore? Therefore what? Well, he means, therefore, all the things that he just said. Spanning from Matthew chapter 5, 1 to 7, 23. He means, therefore, all these things. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, all of the things that I just said, therefore, whoever hears those things. So what did Jesus teach, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3? We're going to do a little recap, and then we're going to go and dig in deep into what God's word has to say. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, what did Jesus teach? Number 1, verse 3, he taught the very fundamental traits of Christians and their actions. Remember verse 3 was poor in spirit, being broken. It was where we start, where anybody starts to come to know God. You have to be broken first before you can ever come to know God because pride otherwise stands in the way of you and God and your relationship with God. So every person must start their journey with God in brokenness. It's the truest sense of repentance, poor in spirit. Now 13 through 16. He was teaching us what real Christians should be. They should be lights that are in a dark world, leading people to Christ. He said we should also be the salt of God that purifies the sin-filled world. Verses 17 to 20, Jesus taught us that He, Jesus Christ, was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and that in Him is everything. Remember, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am. And what is I am? I am is everything we could ever need. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Verses 21 through 20 or 21 through 48, Jesus is teaching us that we can never find righteousness or have any kind of righteousness or be righteous at all before God, because he's so holy, by keeping the law. Even the whole of the law. 623 laws. We can never be righteous before God by keeping the law. We, we, we learn that. 
Now, 6, 1 through 18, Jesus taught us the principles of how we ought to give our alms. Pray our prayers and fast so that God would see us, not man. Not trying to take any glory. He said, don't take any of the glory for yourself. Don't be hypocrites doing things just so people could see you. Live, a, live this kind of life. Live this kind of Christian life so that only God sees your Christian life, not so that man sees your Christian life. Verses 19, 6, 19 through 21. He said how we need to be looking at this life in light of eternity. Storing up your treasures in heaven rather than on earth. He taught us that. Verses 22 and 23. How our eye with, you know, the light of the eye is really either the really the darkness of Satan or really the light of God. It really, you can see that through the eye. The eye is like a window to the soul. And, you know, Jesus has given us that so that we can examine ourselves Verse 24, he told us that we cannot serve Jehovah God or anything else, or we would eventually serve one or the other. And, he, and we also looked at how we looked at biblical examples that showed us that, that the people biblically that tried to serve God and other things, it didn't work. They ended up serving other things. Can't serve God. Can't serve mammon. You're going to end up serving mammon. This is a warning. Hey, serve God. You can't, your interest, your love cannot be divided. You can either serve God or you'll serve the things of the world and you'll love one or the other. <laughs> Chapter 7, 1 through 6, a warning to people that they better not be laying judgments on other people while they're doing the same things. You know, Jesus said, judge not, lest ye be judged. And then, in essence, it was really not that we can't let, you know, judge someone else if they're in some sin. We ought to warn people if they're in sin. But how we ought to, if we're going to warn somebody that they're committing a sin, we better be careful that we're not committing the same sin that they're doing. And then looking at the, the log in our brother's eye while well, we got the plank in our own, or the speck in our brother's eye while well, we got the plank in our own, uh, 7, 7 through 12. Uh, the promises and guarantees that anyone that would ask God who he is, seek him out and knock on the door of his house, that they would receive what they want, in a, you know, the godly thing that they want. And then also how we ought to treat other people. Uh, 7, 13, and 14, teaching us that the way of eternal life will be difficult and that he's the narrow gate and there are only few that find heaven and wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there will be many who go in by that. Showing us how many people would go to heaven. Uh, 7, 15 through 20. Warning about all those that was come as wolves in sheep's clothing. The deceivers. The people that would come inside the Christian church and try to supplant that church. Try to draw people away from you know, godliness and try to draw them away after themselves. How we ought to be careful. How, what to look for. You know, Warning, warning. Watch out for those people. And then 21 through 23, warning to people not to give God just lip service, but to obey His Son, Jesus Christ. Because God doesn't want lip service. God doesn't want us to just say, oh, praise you God, oh, thank you God, and then walk out there and go live an illicit evil life full of fornication and full of all kinds of evils of this world. He said, if you give me lip service, let your heart be right too. Don't just give me lip service. So, recap. What is the whole Sermon on the Mount about? What is it about? In essence, 5.1 to the end of 7, all three of these chapters, Jesus said, this is what a Christian should look like. 
This is what a Christian should look like. This is what a Christian should act like. This is the things that a Christian should do. Beware of this Christian. Hey, Christian, I want you to live like that. And you know, we're the same ways. God is a very personal God. He's a very loving God, but he's very personal. He has his likes. He has his dislikes. He has the things that he loves. He has the things that he hates. God, the Bible says that, and God himself says, I hate sin. I hate evil. I hate the evil that man does. That's what God says. So, in essence, the whole, these three chapters, God told us here how we ought to live as followers of Christ. A real Christian should model this whole sermon. Jesus taught more in his ministry, but a lot of things of what he taught in his ministry, he branched off of this sermon. A lot of his principles, a lot of the things that he did, he branched off of this sermon, his teachings, his ways of life, the things that he did. He wasn't a hypocrite. Jesus didn't teach one thing and live another. He taught and he did. So how do we know that Jesus is talking about this whole Sermon on the Mount? Look at verses 24 and 26 here in Matthew 7. And where he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine. And then in 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine. He wasn't just talking about one thing he said. He was talking about everything that he just taught on. Everything that he just said in these three chapters. That's what he's saying. Whoever hears these sayings of mine. It was the whole chapter. So what was another thing that he was talking about? What was another common thing, a reoccurring theme all the way through this whole section, this whole three chapters? Was, of course, how to get to go to heaven. How to get to be with God instead of being hell and burning forever. Remember 2 Peter 3.9, God is not slack concerning, prom concerning his promises, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So a common theme throughout these whole three chapters here was how to get to go to heaven. How to be with God forever. How not to be, how not to go to hell. Hey, people, please do it this way. This is what I like. If you bring me fish and I hate fish, I want pancakes. Bring me pancakes. I love pancakes. Don't bring me fish. That's in essence what Jesus is saying. How do we know that? Matthew 5, 3. Remember, poor in spirit. Those that are poor in spirit shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Uh, telling us that leads to life. The narrow way that leads to life. 7, 21. Uh, uh, whoever does the will of my Father shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So, this, this is God's heart that none should perish. All should come to life. We're even going to see that in this scripture here as we keep going. So here in verses 24 through 27, Jesus puts a huge emphasis on everything he just taught. So why is everything that Jesus just taught so important? Well, we have to reference 721 again. It is only those that do the will of the Father that shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the will of God? Matthew 17, 5. This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. What's the will of God? To listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I see my Father in heaven to do it. Heaven to do it. I, do, I, I say nothing 
unless my Father in heaven said it. So I only do the things which my Father in heaven did. So really, in essence, Jesus was only saying the things that God already said. But God said it's got to be through Jesus because of the old atonement and the blood of the sacrifice and the death on the cross and so on and so forth. So it all kind of goes, rolls right all together. It's so powerful, isn't it? It's so powerful how God's word works all together like that. Now, before we go through this depth in the scripture, I have to share the love of God. Even again, we see the love of God all the way through the whole Bible. Let's read verses 24 and 26, and let's look at something here really in depth. Verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And go to verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. This whole, even this whole last section is really about, and we're going to get to that in depth, it's about building a house either on a rock for your life now and for eternity, or building your house and not building it on the rock, building it on the sand for your life now and for eternity. These two men are pictures of two men. One will be going to heaven, and one will be going to hell. But now, what is the love of God? Where do we see the love of God in verses 24 through 26? But whoever hears these sayings of mine, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, whose responsibility do you read there that it is to respond to the hearings, to the sayings of Jesus? It's not God's. God's word's gone all over the whole world. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do it, notice the responsibility was on us. The responsibility, God did it already. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, least any man should boast. So it's not a work of how anybody gets saved. But it is obedience. We have to hear the word of God. And it's not only hearing the word of God that saves us. It's whether we practice the word of God or whether we don't practice the word of God. And it's our responsibility, whoever hears, those that hear, which is everybody, how they respond to the word of God. Not, And it's not just that they heard it. It's that they respond. It's they, the people. God's already done his work. But there is, of course, though, an evil, wicked teaching out there. And it's called Calvinism. And I will call it out. I was kind of praying about whether I should call out the name or not. But it's a doctrine. It's called Calvinism. And this doctrine, and you can look it up if you want. I don't really advise it because it's really not that, it's really evil. It says that God just does everything. God just zaps people that he wants to zap and saves people that he wants to save. Nobody has a choice. Nobody has a choice. Just God, just before the foundations of the planet, God saves those that he saves and he doesn't save those that he doesn't save. It doesn't matter what, how bad the person wants it. It doesn't matter how bad the person really wants to know God. The, their doctrine says, no matter what, it's God that does all the choosing and man that has zero choice. Mm. But that's not what we read here. Mm. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man, 
but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, I will liken to a fool. So why? So here, one man responded by doing the teachings of God, and the other man responded by not doing the teachings of God. God did the work. He said, here's my word. God is the one handing out the million dollar bill. And whose gift is it if God gives you a million dollars, if you don't take it, whose fault is it that you didn't take that million dollar bill but yours? God's given it. God's given the free gift. That's why we can't work for the gift, but we do have to receive the gift. Jesus said, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man. Whoever hears them and doesn't do them, I'll liken him to a foolish man. God is a loving God, but he has to give choice. Because if God doesn't give choice, he's not loving, he's evil. If I give you no choice, if I took one of my sons and I took him into their room and I handcuffed him to an immovable part of the room and I said, now son, stay here till I get back. And nothing in heaven or on earth, because these are God handcuffs, could get these handcuffs off of this immovable thing in the whole room. Then I left. <clears throat> then I came back about three hours later. And the kid was still there. Could I really say, good job, son. Yeah, you did exactly what daddy said. Of course I can't say that. Why can't I say that? Because he didn't have choice to leave or to stay. But if I put my son in his room and I leave for a couple hours and I say, stay here, son, and I got eyes and everywhere and I got cameras and I could see him. And I could tell, I could know what he's doing. And I'm watching him when I leave and I see that he doesn't leave. And then when I come back, then I know he loved me. Then I know he wanted to be obedient to me because I gave him a choice and he used his choice to say, yes, dad, I'm going to be obedient to what you told me to do. So without choice, we're robots. God has to give choice or there's no loving God. God wants people to respond because he sees who he is and what he did for you. And then we respond because of that, not because we're forced to, and not because we have to, and certainly because not because we don't have a choice. So God has to give a choice. And we see choice right here. People, the words everyone and whoever, that means everyone and whoever all over the whole world. Whoever does and does, and whoever does and doesn't, well then they make their own boat. It's not God's fault why some receive and why some don't receive. It's man's fault. It's our fault. Why we don't respond to what we hear from God or whether if we do respond from what we hear of God. The love of God. He has to offer choice. Now, main message into 24 through 20, I forgot the end there, to 29. So, what is Jesus saying here? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Jesus is describing two types of all people that will hear his sayings slash teaches. His, he likens, in fact, all that will hear to house builders, those who build houses. 
and he gives us two types of foundations. One is sand, one is rock. So all people in this life, all, everyone, everywhere, whoever, we're all building a physical house now and a spiritual house for eternity. That's how God sees us. It all depends now what foundation are we building them on. Well, and I don't know if we're building a spiritual house for eternity. Well, Matt, in case you don't remember, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up, your, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For there your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So everyone is building a physical house now in that we have to live, we have to work. Uh, even people that are on the streets, in fact, have to do something. They've got to go try to find work. They've got to go do some work. They've got to go try to get a job. They've got to try to find a good house. That's doing something. You've got to build a life. Whatever you do, you can't just sit there. If you just sit there and you just sit down and squat, you'll die. So some of you got to be building a house now, which is a physical house. That's whether you have a family or whether you're single or whatever. You have to, you're building a house now. But Jesus said we're also building a house for eternity as well, too. So now, two types of home builders. First home builder hears Jesus' words and does them. And Jesus says he's a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. The second type of home builder hears Jesus' words and does not do them. And Jesus says he's a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Why did Jesus call one of them wise? And why did Jesus call one of them foolish? We find the answers in verses 25 and 27 here. It says, The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Uh, and 27 says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Yeah. Now, what is this describing? What is this describing? Think about, it says, The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. In case you were wondering, because God just showed me this in the scripture, dude, that's a hurricane. That's a hurricane. That's like Katrina. Winds that beat on the house and the rains that come with flooding, that's a hurricane. That's like Katrina, the one that hit New Orleans, that destroyed a huge amount of the city and the people and killed a bunch of people and things like that. So Jesus is saying, you're going to build a house, but that house that you're going to build is going to be hit with hurricanes. All the time, maybe every day. The house that you built, the life that you build now, the eternal life that you have forever, wherever that may be, is going to be hit with hurricanes. It's getting hurt with hurricanes right now. <clears throat> These hurricanes are called everyday life. Coupled with all that Satan's doing in this world. Coupled with all the evil that's in this world. Those hurricanes are life. They're called death. They're called sickness. They're called pain. They're called suffering. They're called our jobs. All the hours that we got to work in our jobs, all the labor that we got to put into our jobs. 
They're called relationships. Relationships aren't easy, folks. Relationships have troubles. They're called kids. It's not easy to be a dad. I know. And so does every parent in this room. It's not easy to be a dad. It's not easy to be a mom. These, these storms are called marriage, bills, being tired, exhausted, disappointments, problems, traffic, putting up with, yourself, with your own selves. I know some days I'm disgusted at my own self. Why did I do that? What did I do that for? Oh, man. Oh, I wish I could do better. Oh, I wish, I wish I could leave myself. I can't tell you how many times I've said that. I wish I could leave myself, but you can't. You're you. You're you forever. No matter how you are, you're you forever until you die, even into eternity. You live in the spirit or the soul. You're you forever. You can't leave you. That's terrible. That's hard. Etc., etc., etc. You may be thinking in your own self right now, man, oh, well, he left that out. Well, yeah, that too. That's a storm too. Computers, there's another storm for you. Trying to program them, that's another storm for you. And driving cars, breakdowns on your cars. Man, you name it. They're all storms. They're all hurricanes. They're all things that are going to hit you. They're all going to pound on your house. They're all going to slam you with that rain. The floods are all going to come. But Jesus said you're going to handle it in two ways. You're going to handle all life in two ways. You're going to handle those storms by either A, hearing the sayings of Jesus, teaching of Jesus, and doing them. Or you're going to hear the sayings, and you're not going to do them. You're either going to trust in Jesus, or you're not trusting Jesus. Look at the disciples here, Matthew 8. 23 through 26, we'll probably get into this in a little while. Now, when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. That, that's how Jesus looks at our troubles. Yeah, that's, that's not a problem, my, my son. That's easy. I got that already. I'm sleeping. Just trust in me. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to perish. We're perishing. That's how we look at our problems so many times. Oh, I'll never, I'll never get out of this one. Oh, man. I don't have a job. Oh, my car's broke down. Lord, what am I going to do? Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Jesus, wake up. Don't you see? Aren't you seeing what I'm going through, Lord? But he said to them, Why are you fearful? Oh, you a little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? We don't have to bring our problems to Jesus that way, but we sure can give Jesus our problems and give Jesus our storms. And when we give them to him and when we trust him and when we obey his teachings and the things that he says, then we're building our house on the, the rock. It's like we're laying a foundation. We're laying each brick on that rock every single time we're going through a storm and we're building it as long as we're doing the things that Jesus said that we ought to do. Jesus himself didn't even say it was going to be easy. John 16, 33, In the world you will have tribulation. So Jesus himself didn't even say that life was going to be easy. In the world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say you might. Let me make, let me make sure I read that correctly. In the world, you will. Oh, yeah. Not might. 
not maybe, not well, you know, one or two. No, you will have tribulation. You will. Not maybe. Here, look at 25. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. He didn't say maybe. They will. They will come. You will go through times in your life where the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the storms are going to come. They are coming. They're coming all the time. Not maybe. Not well, you know, well, maybe once in a while. No, they're going to come. They're going to come, and they're hitting all the time. Life is the same for everyone, no matter what type of foundation you're building your house on. Life is hard for everybody, whether you're building your house on a rock or whether you're building your house on sand. Life is hard for everyone. So Jesus calls the first builder who obeyed his teachings a wise builder that built his house on the rock. What's so special about this rock foundation? Why does he call it the rock? Well, Romans 9.33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus, that was a, that was a prophecy that was spoken by, I believe, the prophet Isaiah that Paul was quoting. And in the Old Testament, Paul references in 1 Corinthians 10, where there was a time when Israel, the children of Israel, the Jewish people were going through the desert, and they were wandering for 40 years, and in their wanderings, God tested them with some hurricanes, with some storms, with some tribulations, with some problems. And there was this one time when they were, when they were walking along and they were thirsty, they hadn't had anything to drink in a, in a while. I think it was two or three days, if I'm not mistaken. So they were right on the verge of literally being, they were, they, were, they were dehydrated, bad. They were suffering. They were struggling. And they were going through. And so they cried out to God. They cried out to Moses and said, why is God going to let us die? We, haven't, we need something to drink. So then Moses went to God and he talked to God. And God said, hey, go take this stick and go strike this rock. And Paul references that rock in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4. He says, Moreover, brethren, I do not you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, that all passed through the sea, that all were baptized into Moses' cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. They all had manna to eat. All had manna. It was called manna. It was something that came upon the ground for 40 years every day. They never had to, never had to go out and hunt for their food. God just prepared food for them all the time. He said, verse 4, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4. And that rock that they drank from, because what happened is Moses went up to this rock and he struck this rock that was in the wilderness, and out of this rock poured water, flowing water that flooded the whole area. So much water, everybody had enough to drink plus some. And Paul says, and we know by the Bible saying that that rock was Christ. So who, who is this rock foundation but Jesus Christ? And the first home builder is the wise, is wise because his life now, his house now, in his life for eternity, where he's storing up his treasures, 
what house he's building for himself in heaven? They're all built on a life lived of doing and keeping and obeying the teachings of Christ. Amen. Because when your foundation is built on doing his teachings, you're building a strong spiritual house later, and you're building a strong physical house now. That's what Jesus is saying. Now that rock foundation is smart now, and it's smart for forever. I know a good friend of mine who has a foundation that it took them X amount of days to build, but they drew the pyramid beams and they bored down and they drilled down all the way to the rock. Texas here, it's in Texas. We have bedrock way underneath our soil. And he bore the, the concrete pillars all the way down to the rock. His house wouldn't move, he told me, if all the dirt and all around the house was completely gone and that those concrete pillars were just standing on that rock foundation alone, his house wouldn't fall if there was no dirt around the foundation of his house. His house will never shift. He'll never have cracking in his walls. Why? Because he built his foundation on the rock. We will never be moved if we continue to build our foundation on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. We'll never be moved now and we'll never be moved for eternity if we build our lives on the teachings, doing the teachings of Jesus Christ. So what does the scripture say about Christ? What does he bring to those that build their spiritual houses on him? Luke 2.10 The angels coming to the shepherds in the field and announcing the birth of Christ. Luke 2.10 And it says, Then the angels said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to who? To all people. What does a relationship, what does building your house on Christ, a rock, a solid foundation do? It gives you joy. Yes. It gives you peace. Luke 19, 41 and 42. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Speaking of the Jews here, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace... But they rejected, so he says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus, that solid rock of our foundation, is such peace. For now, it's such surety. There's peace, there's joy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You get to be new. You don't have to be the same old dead person that you were or are if you're listening, you still are. You don't have to be that same old person. You get to be a new creation. So you get peace. So you get joy. And you get to be new. That's now. That's now when you're building your life on the doing of the teachings of Jesus Christ. What about forever? Oh, forever. That's just one thing. Forever will be with him. Revelation 21. <clears throat> now I say a new heaven 
Or now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the living place of God, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, and no crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So you get peace now. So you get joy now. You get to be a new creation now. And you never have to suffer ever again. The hurricanes of life will be gone forever if you build your house on the doing of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, you have one life to live. That's what he says. Those are some of the promises. Some. Pretty cool house, physically and spiritually, if you ask me. Pretty awesome, cool Awesome house, you ask me. Now the second builder. He heard the sayings of Jesus, but he didn't do them. And Jesus said he was a foolish man. Well, even in the physical world, and boy, I know this, a house that's not built upon the rock will constantly be moving, because I have one of them. My house, my peers on my house aren't drilled down to the bedrock. They're not drilled down to the rock foundation. They're constantly moving. My house is constantly shifting. I ain't going to complain. God gave me my house. He's blessed me with it. Praise be to God. But, good analogy for today's service. Jesus said it was a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And mine, although it's not built on sand, it's not built on the rock. Texas soil might as well be sand because it's moving all the time because of all the drought all the rain, all the stuff that's going on here. So, foolish in the physical, foolish in if we go to try to build our houses now. But also, what was the alternative to John 14, 27? The world gives a false peace. Remember, Jesus said John 14, 7, Peace I leave with you. Peace, oh, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That was Oh, that's on the good side. But he says, not, on, not as the world gives do I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. So the world gives you a false peace if you're not building your house on the doings of the teachings of Jesus Christ. The world gives you a false peace. A lie peace. There'll be a, a type of peace there because there is a peace or you could say a satisfaction in sin in not doing the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because sin is, it feels good to your flesh. Your soul is vexed. But your flesh may feel pretty good because you're sinning. That's the type of peace he's talking about there. But in the spiritual, because look at the end of verse 27. He said about this person that had their house built upon the sand. He said, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on their house and it, and it fell. And great was its Fall. Why did he say, and great was its fall? Why? Mark 8, 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, so this I'm not doing the teachings of Jesus. In this adulterous and sinful generation, so that's what God thinks of the generation that we live in. It's adulterous and it's sinful. And he says, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed. And here's the great was its fall. When he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 2 Thessalonians 1. Bible says, in flaming fire, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take vengeance on those who do not know God and, here's the great was its fall, on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the great was its fall, the really, this is the, the, the further great. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And great was its fall. Addictions wait there in the physical. Addictions to drugs. Addictions to pornography. Even in the physical. That was, and great was its fall. Because if you're not building your house with the rock, on the rock of Jesus, and laying every brick, then your sand foundation is going to collapse. You're going to have to go somewhere to be happy. And that somewhere is sin. Because you're not finding your happiness in Jesus. And Revelation 20, 14-15, says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is in great was its fall. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So hell isn't even your final resting place if you don't build your life on the sayings of Jesus Christ by doing them. Hell's not the last. Hell's bad enough. But then after that, the lake of fire awaits. And great was its fall, Jesus says. And finally, lastly, Revelation 21.8, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, practicing liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hell was the first death. The lake of fire is the second death. Jesus said that that house that was built on sand will fall. And then he says, And great will be its fall. Hell's already bad enough. The lake of fire's worse. The lake of fire's worse. And great will be its fall. All people. So not only will this man, this second house builder, not only will his life house now crumble when the Katrinas come, because they'll fall to all kinds of evils, that God said no to, that will make your life even more miserable. Because there's no happiness in alcohol, there's no happiness in drugs, there's no happiness in prostitution, there's no happiness in fornication, there's no real happiness in those evils that God said to stay away from. So the house now will crumble, because you won't live your life on the sayings and the teachings of Jesus, but your house forever will crumble as well, being cast into the lake of fire and why? Because they didn't, all because they heard the teachings of Jesus and did not do them. 
and great will be the fall of that house. And not only did Jesus say these things, because they mocked him a lot when he was alive and said, oh, this is just the son of a carpenter. Who is this? Aren't his mother and his brothers and our sisters? Aren't they among us? But Jesus showed us that he was who he said it was because as he came down from the mountain in verse 29, it says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus was in his early 30s. There's no man on the planet that's ever lived that's been in his early 30s that taught and had this much wisdom. So Jesus showed us who he was in the, in the sayings of the people. Jesus didn't say, I taught them as authority. This was something that's in the black in my Bible. I have a new King James Version. And it's some red and some black. The red letters are Jesus. Yeah. The black, yeah. that's, that's what the disciple, that's, what, that's not what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that was what the disciple wrote. That he taught as one having authority. Not, and what you could say is, not like the religious teachers that were older, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s of his day. No, Jesus, being anywhere from 30 to 33 when this happened, taught as one having authority. So he knew what he was talking about. Even though he was just a young kid. Somebody in their early 30s, young person. Young person in the span of all life. Very young person. So now... In closing, I challenge y'all, we got the authentication of who Jesus was. We got Jesus saying, one heard, one did, built his house on a rock. One heard, one didn't do, built his house upon a sand. One's going to heaven, one's going to hell. One will have a good house now, a good solid spiritual house. He's building himself a good spiritual house in heaven. One will have an evil, he'll have a destructive forever waiting ahead of him. Which foundation are you building your house on today? Which foundation are you building your physical life now on and your spiritual life later on? Because as I said earlier, everyone is building a house. Everyone is building a house that's alive. You're either A, building your house on rock, Or be building your house on sand. And I don't care if you're religious. I don't care if you're a good person. If you're not building your life now and your eternal life later on the teachings of Jesus Christ and the acknowledgement of who he said I am, who he said he is, then you shall be building your house on sand. And your end will be destruction. And as Jesus said, and great will be your destruction. You either trust and obey, or you don't trust and you don't obey. You're either storing your treasures in heaven now, here and for forever, or you're storing them for here and now. You're keeping everything you have right here and right now. And so you got to be honest with yourselves. Where am I building my house? Where am I storing up my treasures? And what kind of foundation am I building my house on? Rock or sand? <laughs>
If you're not obeying the teachings of Jesus Christ, ask yourselves one thing right now. Why aren't I? God is not evil. His intent for you is all good. His love for you is excellent. It's extravagant, the Bible really says. The Bible says that we are the apple of God's eye. We're the very pupil of the center of God's eye. God gave up eternity. He gave up heaven. He gave up perfection to come to be born of a filthy, sinful woman to live amongst a bunch, a multitude, and multitudes of filthy, stinking, wretched sinners just like us. And why did he do that? He did that because he loves us. And he wanted to not just tell us he loved us, but he wanted to show us that he loved us. Because saying and doing are two different things. I can say I love you, but then not show you. That's not real love. But I can tell you I love you, and then I can show you by my actions that I love you. And then when I do that, and everybody in this room, and everybody that's hearing this message will agree that then that's how I know that you love me, because you don't just tell me, you show me. Well, Jesus didn't just tell us I love you. He showed us his love for us. The Bible says God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Then not only did he come down, but he gave his life on the cross. And what do we read today? If you build your house on that spiritual rock, you get peace. You have joy. You could be a new creature, a new creation. And your house won't shift every time something bad happens. Your house will be stuck on the rock in a fixed not waving to or fro in a great windstorm and a great hurricane. Your house won't be rocked to or fro. You'll be solid. You don't have to worry because God is on your side. Why not? Why not? So please, if you're not building your house on the teachings of Jesus, start and don't be against God. One thing to be against man, man will always hurt you. God will never hurt you. He'll never harm you. You, if you don't build your life on the teachings of Christ, will harm and hurt yourself. You will deny God and you will plummet your own self to hell because you rejected what Jesus Christ said and building your life on a, on a life of doing His teachings. It won't be God's fault while you are in hell, it'll be your own. God's doing everything right now, especially if you're hearing this, to get you and to win you to his kingdom because he loves you, because he did everything to win you. He did everything to save you. He's offering you eternity with him. And if you are building your house on the teachings of Jesus Christ, we need to continue. We need to continue. We can't ever stop building that house and go build another house. We got to keep on building our houses on the rock. Because if we stop and we go build another house, we'll be right in that other position. 
So keep on. Keep on being obedient. It's not easy. And Jesus said it wasn't going to be easy because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. But in Him is everything good. In Him is everything excellent. In Him is everything pure. Keep doing it. I exhort you. Keep doing it. And keep listening. It may be hard for your flesh, but so what? Your flesh is going to rot in the ground someday or disappear someday. Why do you want to please it? God is good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you give all peoples to either obey your teachings or not obey your teachings. Thank you, dear God, that you put it on us. You don't say, I'm, I do this and I'll make some do this and I'll make some not do that. Lord, you give us the opportunity. You give us the opportunity. Your free gift is there for everybody. And your will is that none would perish and none would go to hell and none would die forever. So I pray right now, dear God, that all those here in this message that aren't building their houses on the teachings of Christ, I pray that they would turn and they would get in your word and they would hear Jesus and they would do the things that you said that we ought to be doing. Surrender first, Lord God. Bring them to surrender first. I don't want to live this life anymore, Jesus. Please take my life. I need you. I need to look at your teachings. I'm looking at your teachings now, Lord God. Please save me and I will live for you. I want to live for you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. Get them to pray, Lord. Get them to seek your face, Lord God. Show them how much you love. Show them the peace, the joy, and the everlasting forever that they can have in you, which is, which is no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Bring them to Christ, God, and save them. And Lord, I pray for all of us that are yours, that have decided to, to, to see and hear your words and build our houses on that rock. I pray that we would continue and that we would continue following you and obeying you and serving you, no matter what our stupid flesh says, because it's going to rot in the ground someday anyway. Who cares? I love you, God, and I praise you, God. Bless this message and bless the hearers. And may they not be hearers only, but doers of the word after they hear. I love you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, I ask these things. Amen.